Welcome to Appearance Matters, the podcast, the appearance psychology podcast brought to you by the Centre for Appearance Research, a world-leading research centre based at the University of the West of England in Bristol, investigating everything related to the psychology of how we look. I'm Nadia. And I'm Abby. And this is our second episode in our Appearance Matters 10 conference series, where we will hear from Professor Philippa Deirdrex, who is one of our conference keynote speakers. Yes, so Philippa is a professor in psychology at the Centre for Appearance Research, and she's a keynote speaker alongside Dr Kathleen Bogart, who we heard from in an earlier episode released in October. Yes, and if you haven't heard that episode, I highly recommend it, so please do go back and check it out. So regular listeners of the podcast will be familiar with Philippa and some of her work, but this episode is a really neat opportunity to hear more about Philippa's full portfolio of work, as well as some of her career highlights and how she got into body image research. And also, what should we be talking about at our Appearance Matters 10 conference too? Yes, Philippa shares a little on what she'll be talking about in her keynote speech, and she also gives an overview of a workshop she'll be giving at the conference as well. So, as a quick introduction, Professor Philippa Deirdrix has an international reputation for creating evidence-based strategies to improve body image and mental health in digital, community, business and policy settings. These strategies have been delivered to over 100 million young people in partnership with global youth organisations and businesses, including a long-standing academic partnership with the Dove Self-Esteem Project, the social purpose initiative of Dove, Unilever's largest personal care brand. So without further ado, let's hear from Philippa. Philippa, welcome back to Appearance Matters, the podcast. It's good to have you with us. Thank you, Nadia. Good to be here again. So today, it's slightly different to some of our previous conversations on the podcast. It's a little bit more, as we're talking about just before off mic, more of a reflection on careers rather than particular studies um, and really want to give our audience a bit of a teaser for what you are going to be talking about as one of our keynote speakers for Appearance Matters 10 conference. So, yeah, really looking forward to, to speaking with you. Me too, me too, it'll be good. Yeah. yeah, awesome. So for people who don't know, can you tell us a little bit about how you got into body image research? Sure. I um, studied psychology in my undergrad and thought I wanted at that point, I was particularly interested in eating disorders. Mm-hmm. And um, after my undergraduate degree in Australia, Um, I enrolled in, we have a clinical PhD program where you do PhD research at the same time as training to be a clinical psychologist. And I imagined myself working with people with eating disorders. And um, towards the end of my undergraduate degree and start of my PhD, I discovered health psychology and became very much interested in the prevention of health problems and the prevention of eating disorders which fit really nicely with my interest in body image, which spans back to actually high school when I delivered a presentation on the sexualization of women in the media and the impact that it had. And I think it was a topic that really resonated with me growing up and my own experiences, but also the experiences of uh, friends around me. And I've always had a really big interest in culture right from a very young age. And I think body image is a topic where culture and society is really prevalent. So combining those two kind of aspects, I then transitioned into my PhD in health psychology 
focusing on body image specifically and how we disrupt culture so that's more accepting um, of different bodies and at that point different body sizes was my focus and then it's kind of gone from there and I've been researching body image now um, in a university setting either studying or in academic positions for close to um, 20 years which is wild and 14 years going on be 15 years at CAR um, next year which is crazy to think about. Wow, yeah, that is huge. And I imagine there'll be some of our audience, at least, that will resonate with that thought of studying psychology and that goalpost of being a clinical psychologist and then actually realising that there's so much more that you can do with psychology and actually thinking about um, other avenues. So I think that's really interesting to hear that that was your experience and then to think what you've gone on to do in 20 years. I've I've not even thought about it that you've been doing it that long, but yeah. Yeah, That's wild. (laughs) Um, but yeah very very impressive and so I would love to hear if there have been any defining moments in your career to date that stand out to bring you where you are today. Yeah I think one of them in the early stages of my career was that discovery of health psychology Mm -hmm. which was always the missing piece for me in terms of my love of psychology and study for it that I found health psychology much like social psychology and they're quite interlinked is a focus on what are the systems and political and cultural and social barriers or facilitators to people's well-being. And when I discovered that, that was really the missing piece. So this idea of moving beyond individuals and not just thinking that, you know, we need to train up young people, for example, to learn how to critically think about media and these negative influences, but why not change those broader systems? So that was quite defining for me. Then, of course, moving to the UK mm-hmm. 14 years ago, I um, started my postdoctoral position at CAR um, as a very junior researcher. And then that felt amazing to be in a centre, a growing and thriving centre, surrounded by people who were interested in the same thing as opposed to during my PhD, um, I was the only one researching body image. And that then, by being in a research centre like CAR, but also being in a completely new environment coming from Australia, I started from scratch in terms of learning the systems and the ways in which things work in the UK, but it gave me a huge proximity to London, which is a hub Mm -hmm. for... um, you know, it's a very cosmopolitan city and it's a hub for lots of major organisations and businesses, much like New York, for example, or San Francisco. And um, as a result of that, I got the opportunity to attend lots of events, meet lots of different people from outside of academia, which was really amazing for me because I never imagined myself being a researcher and my idea of researchers were very much the ivory tower you do research, you test theories, um, and I really wanted to have an impact, but also just I'm always curious about different people. So I got to meet politicians, policymakers, government ministers, um, people who worked for non-profit organisations like YMCA, through to people who worked in fashion like Karen Franklin, um, and then eventually brands and businesses like Boots, which is the major pharmacy chain in the UK, but also Dove and Unilever. And as a result of those kind of connections and also being in a hub where we're quite prominent, that led to introductions to the community impact team at Dove, which has been a really, you know, seminal part of my career and the focus for the past 12 years, working closely with them and then continuing to work more closely with other industries. So 
I think, yeah, that idea, the transition to health psychology, moving to car and then starting to work with businesses have probably been those key moments for me. Yeah, wonderful. And I've obviously heard those stories before, but it's it's so nice hearing them again. And well, certainly for me, you've redefined what being an academic can look like in this space. Um, and like you said, how your perception of what an academic meant about the ivory tower and I think I, I had that but then coming to work with you and, and the team and, and seeing how that can be completely different and just really exciting and vibrant and I don't know kind of fresh I can't think of a, an, another word at the moment but yeah just well yeah. I think it's every day is different and mm. I think I didn't really know what an applied researcher kind of was or have like models of that and I think it's so exciting to you know collaborate with different organizations throughout the whole process so not just thinking oh at the end who do I share my research with but actually what I love is talking to them and saying all these people from different industries and backgrounds well what do you think are the important things what would help you in the work that you do to be more diverse and that's really stimulating I just learned so much from them and ways of working and it's I used to think the only way to work with people was being a clinician which is a very important you know role and focusing on treatment but there are all these other stakeholders and people um, that are involved in creating environments and supporting people to have positive body image and the applied research of working collaboration with those organizations you are engaging with people outside of the ivory tower all the time which is really stimulating yeah awesome so let's shift a little bit and talk about your current work I know you do lots of different things and there's so much happening, but tell us about if maybe one thing that you're really excited about. Cool. Um, we are working, um, so as you know, we work together in the same team and the Centre for Appearance Research um, on an academic partnership with Dove as well as, um, and then through that we are very much focused on developing interventions for young people to promote body confidence and then alongside of that we have lots of our own independent streams of research mm -hmm. beyond that. I think um, we've got lots of exciting ones in the pipeline which I can't talk about too much at this point but hopefully by appearance matters we will be able to but one that's I've been really um, jazzed about and excited is the um, recent launch of our body confidence sport um, mm -hmm. initiative with Nike and Dove as well as the Tucker Centre um, for Women and Girls in Sport from the University of Minnesota. And I think the reason that really excites me is it's a lot about what we've just been talking about. It was looking at how do we, um, first of all, we're always thinking about from the outset, how do we reach girls? Where are they? And sporting settings is one of those, as well as we know that body confidence is the biggest barrier. Um, so developing an intervention um, and then testing it working with stakeholders like Nike and Dove, Laureus, coaches and girls from six countries around the world throughout that whole process. And now it's live and out in the world and getting picked up and used. That's really exciting and rewarding that rapid translation. And we've just come back from the launch of that um, program in New York um, and seeing that all come together. It was the first time that project started during COVID. It was the first time that our full team had been together in person, uh, which was really amazing. And also, I'm quite lucky in the sense that a lot of my collaborators are women, very like um, courageous, intelligent, really passionate women. And um, 
I find that like that's like yeah my jam completely that's what I really enjoy so um that was yeah a big milestone and now we're involved in the implementation of that which is really cool as well yeah it's such a huge project and that moment the launch was such a buzz and you know for the wider team like just watching all of that happen was just so exciting because we've seen all the stuff that's happened behind the scenes the year the work that I've gone into it and just you know to see you all there and and celebrating that was yeah really exciting so I can see how that is a current highlight so thanks for sharing um, and just quickly related to that I think a highlight for me is the team that we have um Mm -hmm. because I think you know we're a really supportive team and genuinely get excited about each other's projects and each other's wins. And we, you know, we have our wins channel on Slack um, and we're quite lucky and fortunate um, that we've had a team that has expanded, but also being quite stable in many ways yeah. for a long period of time. So seeing the growth in our team, you know, for example, like when you joined CAR, you were a research associate and then mm-hmm. you went on to do your PhD and now you're a senior research fellow. Like, I love that aspect of it and you're mentoring junior members in our team now as well. So that's really cool to see. Oh, yeah, thank you. And yes, we do have the most incredible team. I know I feel very lucky. Um, So last question in this section, what advice would you give either to your younger self or to perhaps an early career researcher who wants to make headway in this space, but um, perhaps doesn't quite know what their next step is? I think, um, well, I can't speak to everyone and it's a a tricky question to answer, but what I found really useful and helpful and I think that has led to a lot of the work that I do now and um, the successes but also the kind of really satisfying moments is I always approach decision-making around my career following what I was passionate about and the kind of broader values, which is, helping women and girls and gender expansive people um, in particular and just disrupting you know those stereotypes and norms that can be damaging to girls and women's body confidence and I think I just got out there and met a lot of people and attended events without really knowing where it was going to lead so sometimes it's like well people ask how do you start working with businesses and organizations and um you know, with LinkedIn, for example, there is an easy way to reach out and approach people and send them an email and sure you can do that. But it's also, I think, about building community and being engaged over a longer period of time. You don't know when you turn up to an event, whether it's a film screening or a policy event where you're not a speaker, um, Mm -hmm. but you're just going to observe and listen and talk to the person who's sitting next to you. That's how I built relationships and connections without always having a strategic goal or thinking, oh, that's going to lead me to benefit from it in this way. Um, And those relationships take time. And also, if you do something that you're passionate about, I think it normally comes through and shows quite naturally that it's something that you care about and you're engaged and people resonate with that. So I think doing the thing that you feel passionate about it's yes you need I'm also a very strategic thinker and think yeah you want to be strategic about your time and the decisions you make um but being guided by your values and not just thinking how is this going to benefit me right now um it's about being part of a bigger picture and a bigger cause and letting that guide your way as well as being strategic when the time comes it's a bit vague I know um no, I think I think it's really valuable advice and I think it's useful to hear because I think it's so easy when you reflect back, you can be like, oh, this led to that and, and you can map it out and it 
you can create this very neat linear story. But the reality is when you're at the beginning of that journey, you can't see what's ahead. So you have to put yourself out and and as you say, be be guided by your values and what what really drives you because you know we spend a lot of time at work and you want and to it's do... not going to be overnight as yeah. well um you know like it's wild when I think I've been doing this for 20 years yeah. um but like as you know like how long is it now that you've been you know working in this space and researching yeah. this space and that's what it takes so there aren't kind of quick you know wins or short-term you know quick routes to doing it in some ways so that's why it's important that you care about what you're doing you're passionate about it so that you're enjoying all of the steps along the way because sometimes people can think oh once I get that grant once I get that promotion once I get that you know paper published or whatever but I think sometimes the way academia is structured is just as in many organizations you quickly move on to the next goal and then it can become this hamster wheel and so you really want to enjoy what you're doing at the time and you know for me that's being doing stuff in alignment with my values but also the stuff that I'm genuinely passionate about excited and letting that guide me of course you know you need to think about job security and you know the money in academia can be really tough and it's particularly research careers the insecurity with contracts and all of those things so I don't want to minimize any of that the struggle is real with all of that and I've had that certainly for uh, a long time in my early to mid career um, and I know you know lots of people struggle with that so I don't want to minimize that but that's even more reason why you want to really care about what you do. Yeah absolutely and I just thought about something I, I wanted to say when we we're talking about the the Nike event as we we're talking about body confidence sport so many of our materials are free for people to use they're available so body confidence sports is available to, to use and we'll, we'll link to that in the show notes and hopefully we'll have a, a podcast episode dedicated to just that so people can find out more um but that stands with all of the the work that is done between car and the dust self-esteem project awesome well i'm conscious of your time so let's move on and talk a little bit about the appearance matters conference series um and so before we get to what you're going to be talking about at your keynote uh, keep people in suspense a little bit longer is um Tell me about your first appearance matters conference you attended. Do you remember? I do remember. It was Appearance Matters Three, which actually was also hosted in Bristol. I was a PhD student, um, and I found out about the Centre for Appearance Research six months into my PhD when I read one of Emma Halliwell's papers, um, and she really inspired a lot of the work that I did. And I was like, oh, and I saw the byline um, as corresponding author. Googled car. Um, and saw they had this conference and was quite fortunate at my university in Australia, we got a small budget to attend conferences overseas. Um, So I um, submitted an abstract, came to Appearance Matters 3, stayed at the Premier Inn, which is not a luxury (laughs) hotel um, in the centre of Bristol, with my sharing a room with my friend who was also doing a PhD, Fiona Barlow. And um, yeah, attended the conference and I remember just being quite intimidated a little bit in all I showed up by myself um and I was saw you know I met Emma who actually was on maternity leave at the time she just had her son Ned and she was so gracious and came to meet me and I remember having coffee with her while she was breastfeeding and asking her all these questions about working at car and things like that 
And um, but I met Marika Tigerman for the first time, who, you know, as someone who'd researched the media and body image, um, you know, she's a massive name in the field and got to know people from CAR and had an amazing time. Um, I couldn't. It was just amazing to me to be at a conference where everything was interesting to me. And in fact, it was too hard to pick which stream to be in, as opposed to kind of just seeking out the body image stuff or seeking Mm -hmm. out you know, um, methodologies that were in alignment with my um, interests. And then, of course, uh, one of the keynotes, uh, we had Marika as a keynote, but we also had Nicola Rumsey as a keynote, who was the founder of CAR and past director. And um, she was my mentor at CAR for the first 10 years Mm -hmm. uh, before she retired. And she delivered a keynote. And it's always a a memory that I have. I had been at that point thinking, oh, I'd love to work at CAR one day when I finish, you know, my PhD. And um, I saw Nikki's keynote and as Nikki does. um, And if you've never listened to her um, podcast episode on mentoring, I would recommend listening to that. Um, You can link to it in the show notes. I can't remember. It was a while ago now, but it's such a great episode of her talking about her experiences in academia. But she talked about her career and then thanked everyone at CAR and cried (laughs) Uh, and got really emotional. And I loved that because it showed how much she cared, but also seeing that vulnerability and seeing the personal side of a researcher, I thought, yeah, that's somewhere I want to work. So they were, that was my experiences of, um, yeah, Appearance Matters for the first time. Awesome. And what was the timeframe between you going to Appearance Matters 3 and then you starting at CAR? That is a good question. I can't remember what, I think it was a couple of years, no more than that. Um, yeah, I can't remember what year. I think I must have been in the third year of my PhD. Um, so it wouldn't have been too far. And it's funny since then, you know, I've obviously attended as a member of CAR and helped, um, with behind the scenes and, uh, in the past co-chaired the conference as well. So it's funny to come full circle to think that was my first introduction to CAR and seeing Nikki's keynote. And now I'm giving a keynote at the conference. Yeah, exactly. So let's get into that. Tell us what you will be speaking about during your keynote. So what I'm hoping to do with my keynote, I'm still kind of, you know, don't have all the details just yet. But what I really want to do is do what I've found really rewarding at conferences. Obviously, we can go and read everyone's papers and journals and things like that. And I want to kind of tell more of the backstory um, to my experiences of um, doing applied research in partnership with different organisations outside of academia. And what are the challenges associated with that and what are the lessons that I've learned from those experiences and then what have been some of the successes. And one of the things that I'm most proud of to date is that the interventions, the evidence-based interventions that our team Um, has created and uh, co-created with partners and evaluated have reached over 100 million young people around the world and that seems like a really huge thing and it is Mm -hmm. and I want to kind of talk about what goes on behind the scenes to get to that what have we learned that works what have been some of the struggles and importantly I don't just want to talk about my experience I want to think about how what we've learned and what we've experienced might be useful to other researchers and practitioners in the field. So I'll be talking a lot about partnerships, um, stakeholder influence, how you influence people outside of academia to get on board with evidence-based practice, 
what we've learned from them as well when it comes to doing strategic science, so science that's actually ready for a rapid impact, mm-hmm. um, and talking about those strategies as well as kind of showcasing some of the highlight projects throughout that process. Yeah, that's awesome. And that 100 million is such a phenomenal number. I, have to, <laughs> I can't quite think about it. I have to. Think I don't even know what that number really means. Like that kind of becomes, yeah, how do you even, you know, Australia, I think the, God, it's a while since I looked at the population, but it's around 30 million or something like that of Australia. So, yeah, it's pretty wild. Um, and it's something like, you know, over 100 and I think 153 countries. So, yeah, I want to talk about a little bit about what that number means and what's behind the scenes on that. And then what are some of the learnings from that that other people can take home if they want, you know, their research to have an impact and to translate what they do into practice. Yeah, that's going to be so valuable. Um, I can't wait. Um, It's funny as well, because when we looked at your bio on the website, um, when we were prepping for that episode, it actually says 94 million. So the numbers are going up. So we'll have to get that updated. So yeah, it's wild. Dub sends us updates quite frequently and it's over 100 million now. I don't know what it will be by the time its appearance matters, but we'll see. But I don't know if you were going to mention this or not, Nadia. Sorry if I preempt this, but We've also got workshops as well at Appearance Matters and um, I'll be delivering a workshop as well as Kathleen, um, who's the other keynote. And I think there's another one. And in that workshop, which is much more smaller and intimate, we're going to be talking about actually going through some exercises of helping people to apply stakeholder influence and some of these techniques from industry to set up their own collaborations um, and think about how they translate their own research. So that will be an opportunity to make it a bit more hands-on as well. Yeah, and that would be really nice to have the two. So you get to listen and then you get to, yeah. to kind of put things out into, into practice. I think those kind of work, workshops are really valuable. So, yeah, thank you for mentioning that. It sounds really, really good. Um, awesome. So I have gone through all my questions and I know, so I know we've asked you this so many times on the podcast over the years, but at the <laughs> end, every, every episode, I feel like I can't, I'm like, I'm like chained to it, so I ha- we have to do it. Um, but because we're recording this in the, in the run up to the winter holidays, maybe we can theme it a little bit. Favorite cake. <laughs> well, you're going to be in Australia, so that, that, did that bring your pavlova into play? Yeah, the, the, I was going to mention my pavlova. I can't remember what my previous answers have been. No. But yes, if anyone's talked to me about Christmas or we actually, do you remember our fun team dinner that we had? Because we've got quite an international team. Yeah. And we had an amazing team dinner once where everyone had to bring one of their national dishes. Um, and, and it was themed. It was a lot of fun. Um, yours was Malaysian satay, wasn't yeah. it? So yeah, yeah well remembered. Uh, oh, there was so much good food. Um, and I, of course, brought my pavlova along. And uh, for anyone who doesn't know, pavlova is a dessert which is a meringue um base it's quite gooey a lot of the time to be honest the hard shell cream and then the fruit of your choice berries kiwi fruit etc and the interesting thing about pavlova is there's a huge um debate and about where it originated from whether it's australia or new zealand um and um kiwis will claim it as their own australians will claim it as their own but fun fact i am both a kiwi and australian um i was born in new zealand and lived there till i was seven and then grew up in australia so 
um, it feels even more fitting than that that is my dessert. So I would bring a pavlova. In saying that, I've never bought a pavlova to car coffee. I've bought lamingtons and other things, but never yeah. a pavlova. So maybe one day. Maybe next summer will be the summer that I'll bring along some mini pavs. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Philippa. It's great to have you on the podcast and, and talk about some of these things. And and yeah, as we say, there's a couple of links that we'll put in the show notes and hopefully as many of our listeners can attend the conference. But for those that can't, we will endeavour to share the keynote recording on the podcast next summer. Amazing. Thanks, Nadia. It's a pleasure as always and fun to talk to you. Awesome. Thanks so much. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Brilliant. And if you would like to find out more about Philippa and also about the Appearance Matters Conference, we've included some links in our show notes. Yes. And we've also included links, as promised, to the Nikki Rumsey episode and to Body Confidence Sports. So do check all of those out. So that just leaves us to say a huge thank you again to Philippa for joining us on Appearance Matters, the podcast. And thank you for listening. And remember, please do take the time to rate, review, share and subscribe. It really does make a difference. Until next time. Bye. Bye.